I'm going to start my presentation without much ado because I think, uh, firstly, I think I should thank all those people who have come on board on a Monday. Monday is a tough day. The week starts on a Monday. So thank you for taking that time out and actually coming to listen to me. It's a privilege to be invited by MMA. Um, I'm especially delighted with Mr. Balraman and Mr. Gopalakrishnan. We are, you know, alumni of the same organization, but they were, you know, out there and up there when I started my career as a young management trainee. I was in awe of, for them and uh, very inspired by them. And I think they've inspired many leaders in corporate India. And thanks to this particular session, I've got to know Gayatri and Virginia very briefly, but they seem like people I would just absolutely love to get to know more. So uh, that's, I really firstly want to thank everybody for this opportunity and Captain Group Captain uh, Vijay Kumar, thank you for all the support to actually get this started so smoothly. I'm going to actually be talking about this voyage of discovery and, you know, I don't know when it started. So I, you know, the whole idea is to talk about my entrepreneurial journey. But if I look at my working life, then two thirds of it has been with big corporates in corporate India, as has already been described. And I just touch a little upon those. When I was going through that journey, often there was a time of, hey, why me? Why this? Because I handled amazing brands and, you know, had great um, experiences. And actually, if I go back even before corporate India, if I look back at St. Xavier's College, a college that opened my mind. It was a college which encouraged you to explore, experiment, accept diversity, look at different dimensions of things. And I think if, to be an entrepreneur, that is an ability that you need to be able to look at very, many different things. So if there are any young people listening, I'm saying use your time in college, school, everything to just you know explore as many things because that's what makes a difference when you actually venture out on your own. You know, cutting across to, of course, my MBA college in Bajaj, I, I, we had the good fortune of having a lot of visiting faculty, so real-life case studies, and some of it, you know, I can now see how it helped shaping this company called Aquasail. In all the companies I worked in, I never got to handle a power brand. And that time, I, was, I never got to handle, you know, uh, you know, a brand with huge marketing money and with uh, that, you know, absolute reach across uh, the different countries in the globe. But today, I think that's what's helped me in my entrepreneurial venture. So sometimes I think there's a design for everything because how do you do a lot with very little? That, I think, is the story of entrepreneurship. I also want to say that on my voyage of discovery, the discovery was more about unlearning some of the things I learned in big corporate. So some lessons you take on board and say, this is the right way. And some lessons you say, you've got to quickly unlearn if you really want to move on. So what made me get into this entrepreneurial journey? And I'm going to take Aquasales as a case study of what we did. What is entrepreneurship? And that's something else I want to define. That there are different kinds of entrepreneurs. So you could be a small entrepreneur running your own little restaurant, but you're not looking at scaling and growing and doing stuff. Or you could be into entrepreneurship where it's already funded and you it's still like an entrepreneur you know, who's going to take something from level three to level four. But what I consider entrepreneurship and the things I'm going to talk about is if you're going to create a new category, you're going to create a new brand, you're going to create a new market, you're going to do something that hasn't been done before 
to me that is entrepreneurship so if you want to step out and if you want to do things i think sailing you know besides the fact that i'm in a sailing business it's got beautiful lessons so ships are safe in harbor but that's not what ships are built for and many of us have a dream inside us and a lot of people i know i was talking to virginia today and she said so many people say i want to get out there and do something of my own but i'm saying you know get out there and do it because if you're in safe harbor that's not what you were built for if a ship stays in harbor all it gets is barnacles so you have to move out and you have to explore and that's the story of really being and being an entrepreneur even if and i'm going to say something a little different you could be in a large company and still be very entrepreneurial and i think that's very important and you can do that if these three words resonate with you you need to have a dream because that's what you're going out there to create that's what stimulates the imagination you got to have some reason why you're doing it why would you leave safe harbor don't leave it because you don't like the harbor leave it because you want to do something more important than the dream or the most important thing is to be able to convert that to a vision so if i look at aquasail's dream it was to evangelize sailing it was to create india as a go to sailing destination for the world if i look at the vision we translated it into saying create access for safe and responsible boating this we were able to verbalize visualize and imagine because you come with domain expertise i think some of these things are very important if you want to be a successful entrepreneur we realized that sailing is something which is not really you know there in the country that you handful of sailors and then comes a third ingredient called passion if you know and you have a dream that you believe in you're able to translate that into a business vision then the passion is what's the fuel which will keep you going every time you get hit by a storm so what did we know we knew two things there was a huge opportunity out there a sea of possibilities active leisure was a trend people wanted to do things they didn't just want to see things people were going to places to be able to do things or say i learned something but on the other hand there was there is there were all the issues india as is a country which like everything else is a country where you know people are not very sporty people are not very outdoor types people don't like getting out in the sun people it's too hot or it's too cold for people uh people don't like to get dark um so there were all of these challenges in in the school sea of possibilities it was also the other side of possibility why india and why sailing 7200 kilometers of coastline some of the best conditions for sailing but what did we have to do we had to educate the world and indians that that's so and that it's possible and that great predictable wind conditions warm water and warm weather is what you need to create the magic of sailing so what did we do you know in a big company if somebody said hey zia i'm appointing you as a project for this company and this happened to me all the time by the way when i was in unilever somehow i was always caught to do innovation funnel and uh, you know new projects and you do a lot of market research pressure test market research hire the best mr companies business plans what did we do we didn't have the money but what we did was that shakil and i and our quick introduction to shakil shakil is the managing director of aquasail started sailing at the age of 
and went on to you know win in the first international gold in sailing world championship medals twice over coached a junior squad which had lost the world championships and after coaching won the junior world championships what did that give him the ability to reach out to people across the world what did we do in bocho paris bocho southampton bocho it was a lot of fun it was a lot of hard work we just went out meeting anybody and everybody who could give us insights sailing holiday companies team building companies corporate sailing companies opened our eyes and we knew what was possible what nobody could tell us and what nobody whatever you think you can get the best mentors best coaches nobody can tell you how to sail your boat this is something you must remember you have the compass you have the chart you know where you're going to you've got the weather predictions but the storms are going to hit every day and only you know and only you will have to figure out how to sail a boat this again is a difference between big corporate and entrepreneurship you have to innovate every day and for that there is an attitude a sort of a can do attitude you have to say i've got this little boat i've got this big sea of possibilities by imagination and i've got to get out there and have that focus that absolute focus on meeting my goal innovation and ideation are beautiful words So Aquasail does a lot of um, team building programs. We have a lot of CHROs talking to us, and often they'll say, "I want to build entrepreneurial spirit. I want people to think innovatively." But I think you have to be in the skin of it. You have to really, you have to live innovation. So, in fact, you know, you you have Six Sigma. You have a lot of different innovation tools. You have funnels. You have various ways. but in entrepreneurship it's the whole ability to think wake up every day with a new idea and one of those ideas you have to make it happen so i'm going to talk about innovation to execution which is what actually makes entrepreneurial ventures really really succeed so what did we do i told you all the challenges you know was somebody going to wake up one day and say aquasail exists so i'm going to google wanting to go sailing no Uh, most people who I met to say, "Hey, that's so exciting!" You know, I really thought I'd love to go sailing, but isn't it too hot? Wow, you say that three in the afternoon? My God, it must be so hot! I said we can't sell sailing to the Indian audience. What we can do is sell them what they want, and take this product called sailing and meet a need. What does that need? People are desperately wanting to do something different. Take a city like Bombay. What is there to do besides eating? What's the entertainment? So you want to get out. You want to get out conveniently, and it all fell into place in a business plan. An in-city location like Bombay, iconic gateway, we call it. A little weekend getaway called Manwa, magical Manwa is what we call it. And Goa, people want to celebrate special occasions. So we started creating products around what do you do for your birthday? What do you do for your anniversary? What do you do for your child? What do you do for your uh, to propose to your girlfriend? And what do you do for Valentine's Day? romance and this means that we took and really this beautiful red color is you know valentines day um a family occasion small and big all suddenly started capturing the imagination of people hey you know what i want to sail but what we tell them you really want to do something different come and sail a boat what else did we do we said sailing has multi dimensional facets if I'm just thinking that if we just thought of sailing in a very technical term, Shakti is a coach, she's a world champion in sailing. We could have said we create a sailing school, or we could have said we sell boats. 
that's not creating an evangelizing sailing. Sailing is a social sport, a leadership sport, a sport for the family, a sport for the adventurous, a sport for somebody wants to just relax and chill out. Something for everyone. The beauty, something for everyone from anywhere. So the best thing was when we had, say, people from Australia, you know, like one of the beckers of windsurfing coming to India to act for sale to Goa to learn windsurfing and of course things like TripAdvisor and all started playing a very critical role so we realized the world's our oyster then we said okay this is for trial people will come they will sail we've had 75,000 people you know coming and going and sailing and getting on a boat we need to keep them there so the academy the aquasail academy started playing the role of getting people to stay with you and you know the skill of it the thrill of it teaching your children teaching uh, a life skill so we we looked at that part of it the bucket list new segments schools so the whole idea was we were not selling sailing we were selling a solution where sailing was an answer to just many many things it became bigger than sailing and beyond the individual and before i forget we also looked at sort of memberships and club memberships and the community feeling of sailing so all this started creating what is called different dimensions of sailing curated channelized through various sales channels travel agencies event companies uh, training partners online partners and then we looked at corporate india Here's a fleet of boats, 40 boats out there in Goa. The one, the boats, pink and yellow boats on the extreme end is something I can put you on a boat. You can go sailing out on your own, even if you've never sailed before. The one right up here, black and white, tough boat to sail, exciting, exhilarating. So imagine corporate India coming with uh, a few hundred people and saying, I want to give these guys a super fantastic, memorable experience. So we started creating things like beach carnivals, beach Olympics. How did it happen? So I, we had a wonderful pharmaceutical client. They did a small program with us and the CEO of the company said, hey, you know, we're thinking of doing our next conference in Goa. You think you can take our guys sailing? Sure, why not? When I went for the brief, it was a thousand people. So you create. So we created something called Sailing Carnival. Thousand people went sailing. Thousand people who'd never seen a boat went sailing from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock in these little boats and had the time of their lives. We had, so this is also listening to your customer. You, you have to be so tuned into your market, so tuned into your product that you just start creating. This is what I mean, the power of ideation and innovation, converting it to execution. So then came things like teamwork. Can I take my team out and can they get an outcome out of this more over and above fun? Why not? I mean, if you're kayaking, just take a simple thing like kayaking. You learn to synchronize alignment things that corporate India grapples with. How do you get ownership? How do you get people to empathize? How do you get people to work together in a team? So the team building products, look at this, you know, you have one uh, couple there where the person has slowed down to take the lady in the kayak. These two are running. So you learn to pace. You can debrief any of these so beautifully that with a little bit of, of insight, you can create the most powerful experiential learnings which will impact a young management trainee to a board member in a way that probably very few things can. So we created, we took the dimensions of sailing and created this. And then we created this zing word, you know, regattas is a sailing word, but it, it, it's a, suddenly became aquasail regattas. Have you been for an aquasail regatta? Clinics, teaching what we call lessons from the deep blue sea. More than just that, we said there's a huge need in corporate India to network. 
So whether you're an IT company or a bank, and I say change the access because this is another opportunity. I'm going to keep talking about opportunities and challenges. So when we had one of our clients who said, you know, what a fantastic thing you're doing, but can't we just do it in our, you know, is there anything we can do together? And we created a series of regattas for Access Bank together. And I think here comes a power of collaboration. Your stakeholder can be your customer. In evangelizing markets, your best stakeholder is your customer. And that's another thing to remember. If you can win the trust, you get well wishes. We have the most beautiful customers, both in corporate India and retail. And if any of them are listening, I want to thank them because they, they made all the difference. So we created this whole series of regattas and we created this amazing property called the CEO Cup, uh, which captured the imagination, I think, of many corporates in India as well as the media. And I'm happy to say Mr. Gopalakrishnan has been there uh, as a sort of speaker, sailed a boat in 26 knots of wind, and I'm sure I, I would like him to share his experience of this. So all of this sounds like a very exciting course, you know, very obvious story 12 years down the line, but I, I, want, I hope I've been able to put across that to take something as nascent as sailing, create a product structure around it, more importantly, to get people to buy it at the value that you believe you are giving. And that's another thing. That's something I learned from most of the companies I worked with. Don't undervalue your product. Sell value. Create value. The customer is willing to pay for value. We're a safety-oriented product. So ensure that you give value, they will come back. And I think it took a lot of guts to do that. Um, so when we were able to take that and we were able to execute it flawlessly. The bigger thing, however, was it sounds like smooth sailing, but it wasn't. Every day, with all of this excitement was disappointment was wondering where you're going to have money to pay the salaries, money where you're going to have to pay the rent, somebody's not yet paid the advance, and how are you going to manage to buy the stuff that you need for the next event? How are you going to fly people down? Resilience is something that every entrepreneur needs. And I have a little story to tell about this because I think every entrepreneur must be able to capsize a boat and get back on it a hundred times. So when I started sailing, how did my sailing journey start? In 1984, in Xavier's College, 12th standard exam, me and two friends of mine who I'm still in touch with, we went off to Goa, saw this beautiful, colorful sail, waited for it to come back. This person was a national level windsurfer, still in Goa, still in touch. And he said, he said what are you doing? He said, I'm windsurfing. And, you know, so next day we went windsurfing. So how do we continue? He gave us a contact in Bombay. And we came back to Bombay and we went, we explored sailing. The first time I went sailing, I went and I got on this boat and I started doing whatever the person told me to do and I capsized. And he did, all that person told me was, get back on the boat. And I clambered back. I was quite shocked. And he said, sail on. And then, you know, something happened and I capsized. He said, get on the boat, sail on. I came back home and I, my mom said, how was your sail? And I said, mom, I capsized. And she said, so how was it? And I said, it was the most fascinating experience of my life. And I think somewhere there I realized that capsizing a boat, boat can be fun. You must be able to get back on. And this resilience, this ability to get back on and sail on is a very critical, critical attribute of an entrepreneur and of an entrepreneurial journey. Along with this resilience is the ability 
and it's very important to know this ability to recognize opportunities when they are thrown at you. Uh, again, if you get into analysis, paralysis, and a lot of you know, let's look at it and let's weigh this opportunity, you're going to lose that opportunity. Opportunities come and they go, and like the alchemists, you know, universe conspires. I really believe that. So, as I said, when we started at Crusader, there was this whole thing of we create a sailing holiday company. Ultimately, to create a sailing holiday company, ultimately you needed to have a sailing center in Goa. You know, it's 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 a place which attracts the maximum tourists, the place with the sea which attracts the maximum tourists. Great place for domestic tourism. Great place for mice and corporate engagement. How do I create a sailing center in Goa? We had gone when we started Aquasail. We we went not to south of Goa, but couldn't find a hotel or anybody who had that imagination to understand what we were doing. And one day, I got a call from an ex-colleague of mine. Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. Okay. So, uh, where did so I did I did let me just start off. So here's the opportunity that came. So I was given this call, and um, the call was, hey, you know what? I know someone who's building a hotel in Goa. They think they want to create a sailing center. Would you like? To explore something with them, you know, Shakil and I were on the next flight down. We thought we were going to see a hotel, but the hotel was still being built. There were girders and things like that, and we went and we talked to the people. The project manager happens to be again the universe conspires, a French person who was a sailor, and we talked and we said, "You're still building the hotel. The plans are there, but they can be changed. Why have a few boats?" If we have a lot of boats and we build a beautiful world-class sailing center, we can cater to all of Goa. Anybody who comes into Goa, all of the world, and it can be the first hotel with a fantastic sailing center. Well, but a long story short, two thousand, two and a half thousand square foot of a sailing center, world-class um, locker room, shower rooms, all of this was got built. And so, great story to tell. The hotel was ready to open. Lots of fam, lots of you know, getting the travel agents to see everything, and we're ready to open on first of October. And guess what happened? Mm. We had taken this beautiful one. We say catch the tailwinds. It means you got the wind in your sails. But then we absolutely got hit by what are called headwinds, and that is that the hotel opened. Everything was ready. But just a few days before we could open, and we had a client, and we had taken money, um, we were just denied permission. And anybody who's been in regulated industries would know what I'm talking about. I have been in two. So in financial services, I remember waiting for five years for the insurance sector to open up. One of my jobs was to get into the get ILFS into insurance, and. You know, all we did was rounds of conferences, waiting for every year for that sector to open. But then we were a large company with deeper pockets. Monsanto. It was always an experience of waiting for permissions for new products. But when a company like yours has invested in forty boats, foreign instructors coming in, infrastructure, marketed yourself, actually, you know, taken money and you know, got a pipeline of clients ready. 
and you're denied permission for no reason. It was the toughest setback we've ever had. It took us five years. But that is where you had your anchor of this is what I'm going to do. These are my boundaries and I will get it, but I will get it in the way I want to. So five long years of waiting for Goa to happen. So these kind of setbacks and these kind of opportunities will hit an entrepreneur literally, and I really mean it, every day, small and big. Now, after so many years, as we were looking at, okay, we've got this fantastic set of clients, corporate India, set of products, how do we take it to the next level? And to take it to the next level, I'm happy to just share, you know, very good news that just a few months ago, um, last October, we had a very like-minded investor coming on board, Mahindra and Mahindra, and they that's another thing that when you look at the fact that they were a client who came on board because they saw they were able to to imagine with you and i think that's the beauty if you have partnerships they must be people who who understand your dream your vision and bring that amazing value which together then creates a synergy which is unmatchable so that became i think our my next voyage and as we thought, wind in your sails, guess what happened in March? COVID, okay? Which is, I know, affecting everybody here. But think about it. We are in leisure. We are in tourism. We are in the hotel business. Once again, navigating completely uncharted waters like the rest of the world. But there's one thing a sailor knows. We put there, no wind is favorable if you don't know which port you're going to. But I look at it the other way. Every wind is favorable. Even a COVID wind situation. If you do know which port you're going to. And I think that is something that that I I would really say that is the attitude. You have to look at how you're going to do it. So what are the learnings in this leadership voyage? One, I've talked about it. Every day, every minute is a new challenge. How do you meet a word called agility? Again, when I look at the briefs that I get from corporate India, agility is a big word. If you look at this boat, everybody's doing something. You just got to be agile. You know, you adjust the sail, you adjust that, you adjust the way you go. You you do everything and you have to be able to meet those, not only a challenge, but grabbing an opportunity. Be prepared for it. I think it's being prepared and then responding. The other big challenge, and this has been something which for me has been the biggest learning and I think the biggest um, challenge is right talent at the right time at the right price you know in the right place it's it's something that everybody I speak to every entrepreneur I speak to struggles with and the message I would give is about pacing yourself calibrating your dream calibrating your vision because you're just never going to get what you want and it's not just with people it's with resources but I think really one of the big challenges to grow is having that people with that passionate attitude Um, so my own team building programs taught me this I one day saw you know I was watching kayaking and saying you know if only she would row a little slower he could keep pace with her and the kayak would go faster and you realize that you have to slow down sometimes it's a great lesson for CEOs by the way slow down to go faster so let's look at the kind of team we managed. What was the challenge? We thought our biggest challenge would be getting instructors. And it's true. Shakil had coached 22,000 kids. But not one of them was going to look at sailing as a corporate career. Because 
imagine in india going and telling a mom i'm not going to be an engineer or a doctor or i'm going to go and become a sailing instructor it doesn't work it doesn't fly so we had those fantastic sailors coming on board whenever we wanted them and we needed them they came in and brought this ultimate dimension of racing when we were doing certain kinds of programs but we reached out to the world said my customers global so can my team be and so we had people coming in from uk tunisia kenya turkey amazing bunch of instructors who came in and in fact that became a differentiating factor among other things for aquasi people for whom teaching sailing and racing and instructing is a career and they're passionate about it we also got an absolute amazing mix to back this up which is fishermen from ratnagiri local talent they love their boat they understand the sea they don't have blood in their veins they have salt water in their veins they know how to look after that boat through storm and sunshine and though they've not really sailed sailing yachts in two days flat they can sail a boat but and nobody knows the tide or what's going to happen and there's a storm coming like them so what a mix of foreign instructors my tindles from ratnagiri and a whole bunch of other people who just got together to create and execute those absolutely outstanding programs that we do here it is this is a team of complete mix and we don't everybody is part of the team every single person uh is you know is part of that so you have to create that because if you're in the kind of business i am in services you need to have people who execute and the other one of course is a lesson for everybody entrepreneur or not is that whatever happens you can't say i didn't have the resources or i didn't have the people but what you will have to do very proactively every time is adjust your sales and for that again i come back to execution and process and again big big corporate to entrepreneurship i would say that i'm a very process driven person from day one aquasail implemented a crm system we had huge amounts of data we and uh, medical forms and collected all kinds of data because you know that's that's the way i was brought up you know data market research and i am very grateful for that and i think you should take the learnings from whatever experience you had and apply it to your new venture but don't get stuck in process you have to get things done and i think for me that was another huge learning step and i find that a lot of people when they move if you can't deal with ambiguity you can't be an entrepreneur you have to be able to deal with ambiguity you have to be able to deal with with something happening which was never planned for and enjoy it i think that's the biggest thing so look at these four people they all know what they're doing but you know somebody's going to do something wrong you adjust you make up a continuous learning curve you have to con continuously explore make that plan make that vision write your statement but be ready to explore uh engagement with your stakeholders and enthrall your customers they are the ones who make all that difference so be anchored with your vision ride the wave of opportunity change course every time you need to and most importantly just believe 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 and believe and i think that is what makes you successful if all this happens whether it's in your business entrepreneurship or life and this is my life's philosophy i really believe this the universe conspires to make things happen 
So with that, I end my story so that I can leave time for questions. Um, I want to say something. It is a very challenging time for everybody. For big corporate, I I can empathize with everybody who is running a business today. Um, all I can say as sailors, we know one thing: the tide turns. Wait for the tide to turn. It must. It will, and be patient. But in that time, keep polishing your boat. If you're waiting in harbor or wherever you are, and I think these things, this this ability to be patient, also is a very very critical aspect of entrepreneurship. And as I say this, I wish everybody who's going through the turmoil that we all are the best of luck. I want to thank everybody who put the wind in our sails. my investor uh mahindra's the investors who who helped us to buy our first boat uh every one of the customers and of course everybody who's been there with me on my journey so thank you very much mme for this opportunity to share my story with everybody who's out there listening thank you everybody who's listening for coming on a monday evening to listen to this hi thank you uh thank you zia uh, zia uh, in fact virginia was telling me that uh, uh, we should run programs of how people are managing the covid situation because she said it has spun spun the world and there is a danger of you know people losing heart uh, yes. is your business running man is your business running is my business running so you know my business has an off season which happens to coincide with june july august september so um in june july august september i don't operate anyway so what we have done is in response to covid we have done a pay now say later scheme with a 14 month validity so i'm just saying that you have to do these things we're also pivoting onto digital to say that um what i have to do is i have to turn my model around from corporate to retail so you know you have to make those small cost adjustments are you paying your employees yes i have a more i i so i have a different philosophy i think it's a great question you asked mr balaraman um for me la, uh, business and even corporate life has always been a subset of life I have to live my life's values first, and for me that is very important. Um, would I have been able to without my wonderful investor? I don't know. Um, I think there's been a lot of things, but I always believe in the universe conspires to make things happen. If you are a good person and if you have the right intent, things happen. so my employees actually got together and all you know decided how they wanted to deal with it so we are paying we are paying less than full salaries but we are paying yeah okay okay no we understand because like, like you know it's very difficult to keep an organization going without cash flow but uh, virginia did uh, ad- advise me look uh, mr balraman at, at this time it would be a good idea to bring people together and uh, share ideas on how we manage uh, to survive covid and be ready so and i since you gave me the opportunity i thought i'll ask you now uh, you see we have uh, 
very exciting panelists. I have a hidden agenda in bringing uh, Gopalakrishnan here. The hidden agenda is that he is a he he keeps on writing books, okay. And uh, if if we manage to inspire him, if we manage to convince him that the cause of women in business is worthy writing about, uh, he will write, and we will get his support. So how do we trap him? It's up to you three, okay. Now. Uh, of course, I have uh, more aces up my sleeve, but uh, I'm starting with you. Now, uh, who who wants to comment? Uh, Virginia or... Gayatri. Uh, Gayatri, okay. Gayatri. Yep. Uh, thanks, Yeah, That was, uh, I mean, for, for about half an hour, we were all enjoying the nice see, as I could see from every slide of your presentation. That was excellent. Um, the thing that I grapple with is... Uh, how do you model this? Now, this is again uncharted territory. You didn't have an industry, a sailing industry where you could borrow a business model or something. It was completely different. That's the same thing that I struggle with in my business. How did you model it? And obviously, the model was it uh, you built, you would have built blocks on the model. So, how did you handle that? Not just the financial modeling, the business model itself. Yeah. So, I think. Part of it um, I covered in terms of, so that one thing I learned, I'm a marketing professional. Okay, so uh, the customer is the core. Like I said, I didn't sell sailing. So I had a classic chart. It never goes according to that, but, you know, it helps you to structure your thought process. So we had very clear, there's corporate and there's retail. In, in retail, we said people who will tentatively try go into learning, go into memberships and go into maybe even buying a boat, timeshare, fraction ownership. So we did a 360 degree modeling for both retail and corporate. Okay. And it was, it's very important. The big thing that helped us was Shaki's domain knowledge. So the same boat could be used for different things. So it was very important to invest in not very expensive. You know, I have 80 boats, by the way, eight zero. Okay. All right, 40 in Goa and 40 across Bombay, Madhwa. But they're not the most expensive boats. The most expensive boats are fractional. You know, they're bought by somebody, used by us, etc. So there's a whole modeling on how do you manage your, what seems to be an expensive fixed capital investment. How do you then spec those assets by using them flexibly? It's like a hotel. So Grand Hat, in fact, is a great example. Grand Hat is a hotel we are in. Uh, that, that hotel that we found, I, I forgot to mention the name, so exactly placed between north and south. So they have all these rooms, right? Now they use them whether somebody wants to do a wedding or somebody wants to do a big corporate thing, so they have the banquet hall. So by mixing and matching, you can do that. So I think we realized that if we can get these pieces right and use the same asset and sweat it across different products, then you've got a winning product, you know, and you also hedge your bets there. The month corporate is up, retailers down, etc. Quite heavy on the investment to start off with then. So not really because we didn't buy very expensive boats. So if you look at those boats, so you know, one would think, you know, and, and I think those are the myths we want to break, you know, that you have to be a very rich person to buy a boat and a boat costs a few crores. Well, no, a boat costs a few lakhs. And, uh, you know, um, so for a business, we have to buy it. Why did we buy it? Because we want to ensure quality. 
I don't want to just take different customers' boats. We had a purpose. If I'm going to get yield race, they have to be good racing boats. They have to be comfortable racing boats. So we bought the right boats at very good prices, and that comes from domain knowledge. Hmm. You spoke about two corporate and retail marketing. So, did you use digital marketing? How was your marketing? Uh, I mean, what did you focus on? I think in today's world, you cannot. I mean, it would be it would be suicidal not to be you know in the digital online world. Uh, but I will share that you know initially we started very strongly on digital. I'm telling you, within 12 months we had a CRM and a website and an e-commerce enabled website in place because again I come from that process orientation content. But I will tell you actually the challenges are very nitty gritty today. In con- you know people say content is king, but you know who's there to write content? I mean, there's nobody. Everybody's you know there is a superficiality today. In- right. So I think you've got to get your mix right. Uh, we moved, we pivoted to corporate because of my corporate background. Right, pivoting back to retail, but there's you you need to harness the power of digital, but it is not as easy as it sounds because the solutions look simple. Everybody tells you it's so easy. What is that? You just post on LinkedIn every day. It's not so easy to post on LinkedIn every day. You do need people. So I think again, you have to pick your you have to pick your aces. You have to let go some things, but to answer you, you have to do digital. If I'm saying you have to be online, digital uh, sort of appeals more to the retail. I think the corporates are not really digital. If you want a corporate client, it's not really digital. Digital has a lot of. Um, it serves a lot of objectives. So imagine sailing is such an image laden sport, right? So just by being. Present on digital. So imagine if you're a CHRO, but you are seeing a lot of imagery of sailing, or you're seeing case studies being described on LinkedIn. Then you know a pre-selling happens. So if I, as a salesperson, have to walk into an office of XYZ company, but you know there's something they've seen. As I said, um, you know Aditya Birla has gone sailing and they did this. So there is a little. Right. You can you you may use digital to create your credibility, to um, address the myths and the misconceptions, to educate, and of course to sell. So, you know, retail is easier to sell. I have a price point. This costs ten thousand. This costs one thousand. Right. Corporate is a nice sale, but it can be used to generate inquiries. Right. Yeah. Also to build a community. I mean, I think the biggest one is community. Right. Okay, uh, Virginia, do you have? Sure. Thanks, guy three. They were really the questions which made me think. <laughs> Thank you. I'm grappling with those questions, so it helps. I will save an entrepreneur's talk, and I, you know, I, I want to tell every entrepreneur log like a sailor logs his logbook. Log your thoughts tomorrow. They'll be valuable to somebody else, you know. After you say all of this was so nice, you know, every day can be such a momentously challenging day, and then the passion is what gets you through the day to live tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Virginia, thank you so much, guys, three for your questions. Uh, Zia, you yes. know, listening to your presentation and sharing your story was just incredible. Uh, you know, it took me back to. 
me remembering my days uh-huh. when I of uh, my company. So uh, that was a great sharing, and thank you for that. Uh, you've had, you know, a great corporate exposure where you've worked for some of the really big brands in India. And I was wondering at which point of time you decided to become an entrepreneur. Was it a moment that, you know, you decided that you'd become an entrepreneur or was it a journey that brought you to that point? Could you uh, throw some light on that, Zia? I think the universe conspired. <laughs> so, you know, I'll tell you a little story. So I think, you know, it's very interesting. When I went to Goa in 1984, and I saw this windsurfing happening. And I, I can, you know, my two friends who went with me are still in touch with me. I'm telling you, we sat outside a hotel, a beautiful five-star hotel, and said, one day, we are going to be on the other side of the fence. Okay? Today, I'm in the Grand Hyatt Goa. I, I don't own it at all, but they're my partners. And I sit in this hotel, looking out at that bay. It's amazing. It's, it's almost like in 1984, I was destined to run a sailing company, if I want to be very philosophical. Okay, I enjoyed my corporate career. Every day of it, um, you know, I met the most amazing people and they've been supporting me through this venture. So nothing pushed me out of corporate. Um, Really honestly, Shaquille had started this company. I could see him. I would, you know, evenings we would discuss and sailing was close to me. I could just see the value I could bring here. And then one day I felt that the value I can add here is just more than the value I'm adding where I was. And uh, it's interesting, my last boss, the CEO of Monsanto, is somebody who's been with me in my journey of AquaSale, has supported me through it, still with me in terms of mentoring. So it's been a wonderful journey. So maybe it was 1984. Uh, I always had this in me. Uh, But I would say that I think after 40, 45, if you feel you've done a lot of things, suddenly this this is challenge that comes at you and you want to get there. It was it was a temptation to get there. And I can tell you that just imagine what I've got. I'm running a company which is sailing. I love sailing. Um, I love events. There was a time when I was out of college. I wanted to do event management. It wasn't encouraged by anybody. I'm doing events. I love teaching. I'm doing leadership coaching. So I just think it was a lot of ingredients that came together. But I think the passion is to succeed. If you're doing something, do it well and with passion. And I think that's made me take that step. So, um, you know, how did you identify, um, you know, that this was something that you wanted to venture into and commercialize because everybody has so many different passions, right? And it's one thing to have a passion and a completely different thing to know how to commercialize your passion uh, and match it with the market opportunity. So, you know, where did it start from? Was it, did it start from a passion or did it start from an opportunity that you thought existed or was it, you know, uh, of an educational background or an experience that you had in terms of marketing with your previous, you know, work experience that made you venture into something like this? You know, what would someone need to keep in mind when they choose to convert their passion into uh, a business enterprise? You know, I'm going to answer this question in two ways, okay? One, I totally agree with you. So there are a lot of people who say, I like, I don't know, I like horse riding. 
okay and so i want to run a horse riding company or i i like cooking whatever you know i love it but i think that if if it's something you're just very passionate about maybe it's best to keep it separate okay because there has to be a business idea and that passion and actually you'll end up doing the business part and not the passion part okay and i think that's very important to understand does this passion have a business idea and why you do it now you could do it for social impact you could do it because you love so you're doing a cultural thing and you're doing a cultural thing but we are talking today about commercial ventures and there has to be the ability to monetize this that's one and this is something i often tell um you know it's interesting i talk about talent being my biggest challenge and whenever i'm trying to tell um people to come on board and they you know uh, i have to find somebody passionate about selling and i'm saying no i don't know in sales i want a person who's passionate about selling not about selling i want someone who's passionate about digital marketing i want someone my sailor instructor has to be passionate about sailing so both ways um if if somebody who just loves sailing and he comes on board to do my marketing he's not going to succeed if he doesn't like marketing he doesn't like sitting and crunching numbers he's not going to enjoy this job he's in fact going to wonder why the hell he's just a sailor sitting and crunching numbers so keep your passion separate from your business if there is no business idea in it and if you can marry the two like i managed to do then i i think you know you're a very lucky person but otherwise ensure that you know why you are doing it and have a plan bring in expertise you need the ability to execute you need to have a business plan you need to understand your customer you need to be able to you know draw upon insights of other people then you convert it it's not just me so i'll give you an example my brother is an artist okay he does stained glass artistry i'm just sharing it so that's a small enterprise unlike man he loves um you know and by the way he was the one in oman so you know he loves his stained glass he creates outstanding stained glass stuff he's made a vision of saying india has the most beautiful coastline the best sailing conditions we've got so much out of sailing why don't we bring this joy to people and there was a reason in that but we were very clear we needed to make it a commercially successful venture there was a purpose the the purpose was to Uh, help people enjoy india's coastline and uh, sea yes but we have to make it commercially successful naturally naturally you know when i look back at you know when i was in corporate we had these beautiful exercises of vision mission purpose but you know you have to be able to connect to that you have to be authentic about it i think that's another very very important thing yeah gopal well thank you very much zia uh, for that wonderful presentation uh, it brought back to me many memories of my sailing with you uh, i thought i'm too old for it and zia being the archetypal salesman persuaded me that not only am i young enough for it but i should bring my wife and my daughter oh, you got the pictures there of our, my sailing yes, uh, i have to say this so miss you know rg as we fondly call him and sir you know here he is it was just amazing he came and said 
can I, you know, after this, I've got to go for a function and, you know, I hope I won't get wet. And I said, no, you know, you won't get wet. It's not like big boats. And it just as luck would have it, that's the day it blew 26 knots. 26 knots is very strong wind in Bombay Harbor. Everybody, everybody else's boats were off. And, you know, uh, Mr. Gopalakrishnan came and sailed and raised. You can see him raising his hand here. You can see him helming the boat with one of these fantastic women sailors that we have. So, uh, Gopal, that was like amazing. The way you you energize everybody and 26 knots of wind, that's a feather in your cap. <laughs> Thank you very much. I didn't know what's 26 knots or 25 knots. I didn't know the difference. But all I know was I had to turn up in some other place at about 6 or 6.30. <laughs> you were very- absolutely drenched. I didn't have, thanks to the 26 knots, it is a very rough, choppy sea. And uh, they arranged for me in the uh, yacht club, a little place to have a quick shower. I didn't have my own towel because I didn't expect to have to have a shower. And it was a very memorable experience and brought back all those memories to me. I think it was Access Bank, wasn't it? Who was the sponsors or something? Uh, mm-hmm. or, or... Absolutely. This was part of that, that amazing thing that I talked about, the Access Bank regatta series, which, I mean... You know, everybody just wants to be there as part of it because it's such a fantastically curated experience. And in the middle of all this chaos uh, and getting wet, uh, uh, it had been planned that I would give some short speech on <laughs> management, which was totally misplaced. But nonetheless, we, we went through it. So thank you very much, Zia. Uh, you have become a very charming storyteller and I loved it. You know, I met Zia when she was a young trainee and I was the managing director of... Uh, Propon in uh, Bombay, in uh, Bangalore, and that must be 20, 25 years ago. And uh, I then ran into her about maybe 10 years ago, maybe four years ago. Her office was opposite mine after I retired from Tata's. And uh, she reconnected and came to me and periodically she would tell me about her plans and uh, could I advise her or help her in a small way. I don't think I could do very much of that, but sailing uh, going sailing with her made a big difference to the way I thought about things because I experienced without a lecture, but today I've had the lecture. <laughs> All the lessons that uh, she talked about, agility, uh, making your sales to your job for you, uh, expecting uncertainty as a way of life and not assuming that it will be certain tomorrow. Uh, I also experienced something that, uh, if you don't mind, Bala, uh, Balram, I would like to say a few words on this because uh, I feel deeply philosophical uh, at this stage of my life, which is understandable. Uh, I am the happy husband of one woman, uh, happy father of two daughters and happy grandfather of three daughters. So there are women all around me. And obviously I have my passions and my dreams for women. Uh, if nothing else in my selfish interest to be a co-panelist with three wonderful women each of whom has uh, charted out their own course uh, whatever their circumstances may be uh, is something that's very very gratifying for uh, and I think India's true potential will come out when there are lots of Zias and lots of Virginias and lots of Gayatris not just the guys who come in the pink papers Uh, they also do a good job I'm not against them but uh, it's a very different type of entrepreneurship that we are hearing about today. The pains, the pangs, the difficulties, the frustrations. And I've always 
having although i worked in large companies i've always also had a little entrepreneurial uh, you know creating new demand creating new brands and i have found that entrepreneurship whether it's in a large company or a small company there are differences is a bit like what a mother does with her baby and with the number of women around in my family i am seeing babies uh, quite often a mother is a, the motherhood is the best lesson for entrepreneurs there's uncertainty you require agility you require your wit you require networking and you name it i mean there's nothing which is certain and uh, sailing is a since all men can't become mothers <laughs> and they will never appreciate it unless they have three daughters and granddaughters uh, sailing is the second best alternative uh, motherhood would be the best alternative but men can't do that uh, i bet shakil as well and uh, he's a fabulous guy he's very quiet reserved he's like the techie in a software company i mean he he knows everything about the sea he knows everything about the boat and he will let zia do the talking good husbands always do that and he's a good husband in that sense um what i found very uh, interesting in your presentations zia is uh, i have colleagues of mine who use magical words and i have sort of summarize some of them i appeared to see all of them in your presentation for example harish manwani often says if you need a successful business you need logic and magic to come together and i think uh, it's a nice catch phrase but i think you you did that very well he also uses another phrase uh, harish uh, you people don't know him but uh, he is quite an articulate guy he says you must have the ability to see the picture and the pixel <laughs> good one you must see the big picture but you will also be able to see the dots and uh, i find that uh, you um, gayatri asked the question about digital marketing and you know we often think of digital marketing as some abstruse clever things which software guys do nothing is further from the truth frankly the principles of marketing are exactly the same whether you talk of uh, ted levit uh, back 70 years ago or you talk of today when i began my career uh, radio advertising was the big thing and everybody thought oh the media is changing then came television and now it's come digital so what zia has done in her presentation is to bring out through her professionalism as a b school graduate and uh, marketing background all the classical principles of marketing what is the consumer's need how am i going to be a solution to the consumer rather than how can i attract the consumer to me how can i become attractive to the consumer and you are constantly choosing themes and methods to try to attract the consumers to your proposition and if it doesn't work you don't blame the consumer you blame your product and you go back and do the work on it uh so i i have to say great credit to you uh, zia i think this will be uh, inspiring and the questions that gayatri asked when virginia asked for very perceptive because this is the question that everybody else faces as well all the time you know there's a guy called bill gross i don't know if you've heard of him but it may be not inappropriate for me to mention bill gross is one of the biggest venture capital guys in silicon valley i think he has uh, funded 800 or uh, something like that some huge number of uh, startups and one of the things he did as usual out of the 800 probably 50 made all his money and the other 750 lost the rest of the money but he sat down and analyzed what has he learned 
as the most important thing for an entrepreneur. I'm mentioning this because it may be helpful. There are three women entrepreneurs. I would dearly love all of them to be very successful. And he said there are five factors: execution, no idea, funding, execution, talent, and timing. Five factors. Now I want to ask the three ladies here. Uh, of these five, which is the most important according to you? Zia, you go first. Okay. I'll repeat them for you: timing, funding, idea, execution, talent. Which is the most important of these five? I think you heard me say it. It's talent. Talent. Okay, guy three. Execution. Execution. Virginia. Myself, because uh, you know I come from a construction background. It's execution. That was very important to make my business successful. Okay, now here's the surprise. Two of you said execution, one said talent. Timing is the most important. <laughs> and Bill Gross gives a nice TED talk. If you go to TED and Google and say Bill Gross, uh, you'll find his talk. It's only twenty minutes, and he says entrepreneurs are just not conscious of it. And so patience is a virtue, persistence is a virtue. Which gets discounted because they are after funding next B series, C series, and sometimes your timing is completely too early, and so you give up, and that may be right or wrong. Uh, sometimes you get a timing absolutely sweet spot, and you just boom, and sometimes you struggle to find your timing. And I think this is not only important for women entrepreneurs, true for all entrepreneurs, but I say particularly for women. Because you start off as women entrepreneurs with uh, several challenges, which are not necessary for me to recount here, but they are there—social challenges, family challenges, and so on and so forth. And if you can bear in mind, and I would commend you to listen to Bill Gross, that if you don't get the timing right, especially if it's a brand new idea and you're creating a new demand, so this is very wonderful. I'm very very. Please, Balaraman, that you asked me to participate. I am not a woman. I am not an entrepreneur, but you got me into this panel, and it has been fascinating for me to listen to Zia's presentation. I know a bit of her journey, but I am getting a comprehensive view, and to listen to what uh, Zia. I just want to ask one question to you, if I may, Balaraman. Do you have the time, Balaraman, for me to ask one question? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We have time. You know the. The startup world that we see through the pink papers. So your videos off, just in case. Whose videos off? Mine. No, that's okay. His, his video that's is okay, on. sir. It's a, it's a signal problem. You go ahead, sir. Your voice is fine. Yeah, his video is on. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you see the pink papers, you think uh, all startups are about getting Chinese entrepreneurs and venture capitalists and getting up to be B series, C series, D series. Uh, and becoming uh, unicorns. Uh, when I listen to people like you, I feel the world has still got sanity in it. That there are struggles, there are difficulties. Now, the question I wanted to ask you, uh, and not only Zia, but I would request Virginia and Gayatri also to offer their comment, is uh, when you go through these processes, what does it do to the gene in your brain? Which represents either humility or overconfidence. Now, overconfidence doesn't arise because that happens to those guys who make a billion-dollar company in three months. What does it do to you as a person? 
as a human being. Tell us frankly, uh, maybe we'll start with Virginia and come to Zia a little later. Uh, last, we'll go to Gayatri. Virginia. Thank you, uh, Gopal. Uh, you know, for me, it failure or setbacks in my business uh, made me accept and uh, made me accept that failure is okay. And despite, you know, the fact that we face failure, it's not the end of the day, but the next day when you get back at work, you've got to give it your best because there are people whose salaries that you need to pay. There are bills that you need to pay. So uh, just being bogged down with failure is not something that you can do as an entrepreneur because you shoulder the responsibility to, uh, you know, paying your bills, to making your business run. And, uh, you know, the financial pressure is always there, unlike how it is when you're an employee of an organization. Yeah. When you fail to meet your targets, uh, you probably get called by a superior and you have a chat, you have a talk and you're advised to pull up your socks and do better. And then you go back home and then you, uh, you know, you try and do better. You uh, realign your, uh, your goals and you, you put in the effort to meet your goals and your target. Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, uh, irrespective of how the day closes, when you get back to work the following morning, you've got to uh, not remember the sorrow or, you know, the depression or, or how the previous day got you down but really go into the office with a fresh mind, uh, you know, and all the energy that is required to fix the issues that you have and not make, make that bring you down or not allow negative energy to, to seep into you because then you carry that negativity with you in the office, with your interactions, with how you behave with people at work. So uh, that is something that you can't allow to, uh, to get into your daily life at, at work. Yeah, and and so staying positive uh, and keeping negative energy away was is something that uh, that you need to practice and uh, keep in mind if if you're a managing director of a company or you know the senior most person or the founder of an organization, it's very very important to uh, not allow bad days pull you down. Gopal, are you there? Hello. Gopal? Ah. Yeah. Hey, Gayatri, you explain your angle. Me, it's been to get back, get back to the drawing board and to analyze what went wrong. And more importantly, if uh, if something's gone wrong really bad, then to make sure that the same sort of circumstances don't happen again. So going back to the drawing board and discussing with my co-founders on why a repeat should not happen has helped me get through some of the uh, setbacks so far. Uh, positives when they come also requires uh, why did it go so well. That also equally takes time. So true. both equal measure. True, true. Yeah. And now Zia. I told you, just capsize your boat, get back on and sail it. So, you know, to me, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't think one thinks of it as failure. I mean, really, I mean, I think 
when you're in a very large corporate there's always this, this this whole thing of appraisal and what's wrong with you and what you should change and i think you just got to be free from all that it's a mistake i mean you move on things and go right you just move on you just got it's like a sailing boat which is sailing you just you just move on i i think one doesn't even think of the word failure that's all i can say Vijay, uh, yeah, he's going to log in again, sir. He's got, uh, I think, some issue. The net is coming back again. Uh, okay. Now, mean, meanwhile, can we go for the questions? What has come from the YouTube and other viewers, sir? No, no. Hang on, Vijay. Uh, I say I would like uh, both Gayatri and uh, Virginia to briefly explain uh, their business because we have a lot of women listening, and we'd like them to know what this uh, entrepreneurs do. uh my business is in the field of uh, senior care elder care so we have a lot of uh, senior citizens uh, living in their homes without um, next generation support they are by themselves their children are generally abroad or at least in a different city so they have a whole host of requirements from medical non medical emergencies or even routine regular shopping a whole variety of things fixing some appliances at home any any kind of service so in some ways uh, i have certain manpower which i supply sometimes i am an aggregator of services but i am a one stop shop for any senior citizen living by themselves in their homes uh, that's my business model good and virginia hi um so I used to be uh, employed in the corporate sector whilst I lived in India but uh, about 15 years ago my husband had an opportunity to move to the Middle East in Oman so that's really what uh, took me away from India and uh, the reason why I moved to Oman and at the time when I uh, traveled there the business or or the background and the experience that I had in India uh you know was a field that uh oman didn't have too many job opportunities in uh in in real estate because it was uh you know a very small market and real estate was not such a popular line of business so because there was a lack of opportunity for me to be employed uh you know in in the corporate sector the lack of opportunity drove me to becoming an entrepreneur so that you know i could be self employed and uh what really started off as uh a consulting and advisory outfit that's really what i started off doing because to run any construction business you need to have uh you know huge amounts of capital and funding yeah so i started off in advisory and consulting and uh gradually moved into uh construction and uh so i went into construction of uh you know industrial plants which is very very different for a woman and uh i've built uh you know everything from refineries to petrochemical plants to uh aluminum smelters to uh i've done lots of work for the ministry of defense built embassies airports ports uh lots of institutional buildings special economic zones So there's tons and tons of uh, you know construction work that I've done uh both in the civil sector as well as uh the industrial sector. It was extremely challenging for a young woman 
because I was only in my late 20s when I'd traveled to Oman, uh, you know, to set up a business. And it was completely unheard of uh, in the country uh, for any woman to foray into construction as an entrepreneur because the industry and the market was uh, completely saturated with men, particularly Arab men. And it was very difficult for me to gain their respect and confidence uh, to accept me as one of their tribe. So I had to really prove myself through uh, delivering my projects on time, delivering them, uh, you know, with good results that my clients had expected. So it was really, really challenging, uh, you know, as a woman to, to foray into, into that industry. But it was constant effort, constant hard work, constant innovation. Uh, you know, I remember uh, not, not spending anything short of 15 to 18 hours a day for the first six years of running my business. And I was never shy to uh, do anything within my company, whether it was, uh, you know, taking photocopies or meeting my biggest client uh, to win a $20 million project. I was never shy to, uh, you know, to take up responsibility and to fill in any position and any role that was required within the organization. Yeah. So uh, pretty much done uh, most of what exists in, in construction in Oman. And uh, I've had a very, very fulfilling uh, journey in, in the country. And uh, I decided that I wanted to come back to India last year. And uh, so I'm back here in India now. Uh, thank you. Thank you uh, for, uh, you know, both of you, all three of you, very inspiring uh, journeys. Now, Group Captain, please. Uh, uh, let's... Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Balraman. Uh, we have uh, over 1,600 viewers watching this program live uh, on our YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and our webinar. Uh, I think a number of questions have come. We'll try and accommodate at least a couple of them because you, during your interaction, you were really answered many of the questions which have come. The first question has come from the, uh, the chat box is from the Venkateshwar and he says, if the COVID situation continues for a longer term, what changes do you contemplate in your business model? And also another question to you, by roping in celebrities, do you think your business can improve? This is a question to Zia, please. Okay, I'll just answer the second one first, but that's easy. I have roped in celebrities, but, you know, um, so we've done Bombay Times with a lot of uh, models. We did a Women's Day with them. We've had a lot of um, celebrities coming on their own and sailing. Any business, I mean, in India, cricketers, Bollywood, all of this helps, but... I think it's just a marketing or advertising strategy. In fact, I'm trying to break the myth that sailing is expensive or anything. So if I had to take somebody, I'd take someone who stands for sport or environment or a cause. So, you know, I think it's just a marketing strategy. It's not something, it's not the only thing I would do. It could fit in with one of my many products, okay? On the COVID situation, I think today is, is difficult for anybody to say because there is still lack of visibility for a lot of people. Um, like I said, you can't control the wind, you control your sails. We will just keep adjusting till um, where we can. Uh, you, I, I'm, I'm a sailing company, so I can't suddenly decide to do something totally different. But, you know, it's an interesting thing. We've had people inquiring about buying boats. We have people who are interested in doing theory classes online on sailing. We have a great set of customer base who said, yeah, what can we do to keep the wind in your sails? 
but yes, there's a tactical business model change. I mean, I can predict that even when everything opens up and people start moving around, corporate is not going to be doing, let's say, large conferences because people won't travel as much and as freely. Uh, so obviously, we will pivot onto um, something that we were always, you know, it was always part of the business plan, which was retail. It just gets a little more advanced. So I think uh, you have to just, you have to live day by day in a situation like COVID. Uh, it's a question from the YouTube, Mr. Garg from Delhi. What uh-huh. the failure rates of startup is as high as 70%. What do you think are the some of the main reasons for this high failure rates? And what role can leadership play? Not just the prolonging the life of the startup, but also in ensuring that they emerge successful enterprises. He also added further, what's your view on the mortality rate of uh, startups and uh, the role of leaders can play in helping startups be more successful? This question, I think any one of them can. Yeah, so would someone else like to answer it or should I answer it? I think I could... Uh, yes, please. So uh, I think one of the biggest, uh, you know, some of the biggest reasons for failure is uh, not doing your your homework completely and, uh, you know, not studying everything that needs to be covered. So you don't, uh, you know, understand, uh, you know, the, the impact of the market situation. And uh, you only look at things from your own lens. And you know, sometimes a failure to look at things from the lens of uh, the customer or, uh, you know, the marketplace or failure to look at things from the lens of your shareholders uh, could lead to failure. Uh, It sometimes could be overconfidence of uh, your business succeeding that could lead to failure. Uh, So it's it's very important, uh, particularly if you're a startup, to have someone mentoring you because, uh, you know, someone who's already done this before, someone who's done this for themselves have seen the ups and downs of, uh, you know, uh, a business, uh, you know, they've seen successes, they've seen failures and they know what it takes to, uh, to come in and out of, uh, you know, these, these different curves and uh, never be shy to, uh, to tell people the truth and never be shy to take help from anybody, particularly, uh, you know, if you can get yourself a mentor, then that would be a great thing. Uh, and always keep your ears very close to the ground. Uh, you know, as much as it's important to uh, execute and run and operate your company, it's uh, equally important to, uh, you know, be connected with what's happening in the market, what's happening with your competitors, whether there are new entrants in the market, uh, I think, uh, you know, knowledge of what's going on is very, very, very important. Thank you. Yeah, maybe Mr. Gopal, uh, you mentor so many and you also teach a large number of MBA students on similar thing. Would you like to add, uh, Mr. Gopal? Uh, the only point I would add is uh, uh, mortality is a part of reproduction in nature. Uh, whether it's 70% or 60% or 90%, one can argue. So mortality is a path to the reproductive system. And the species that survive and grow are the ones who are more interested in the risk than the fear of failure. The fear of death 
is enough to kill the species the attraction to the risk so um, my short answer is uh, you can change the mortality needle like you can change the efficiency of the steam engine you know you can't make it 50% thermodynamics doesn't allow you that so it's plus minus one or two percent so you change the mortality don't fear mortality that's part of the game and these three ladies spirited ladies have uh, demonstrated that this morning thank you thank you so much sir uh, mr with mr baldam with your permission one last question uh, before we close uh, uh, the question is uh, again common to all the three of you sir what is the biggest challenge you have faced in your career as a, as an entrepreneurial journey how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it they also ask one more added question would you describe yourself as a risk taker describe some of the risk you have taken as a entrepreneur in your venture would like to take it riya uh, you know i i think i talked about that through the uh, so thank you for that question i'll try to summarize it quickly because so i think um risk is in the mind uh it's just a balance between what are you risking to what are you rewarding um the you you just go out there and do it now what can you risk if you're leaving a good lucrative job you're risking your salary packet if you're going to uh put in investment you're risking that money but i think that if you have very clearly what you set out to do then i think generally speaking my experience the reward outweighs the risk uh it's also how you define success you know you have to define success there could be your business by close down but you might have gained so much that tomorrow you can start another new business or go back as a much more valuable person so i think as uh, you know uh rg said you just have to get out leave that safe harbor and that itself may be a risk in somebody's mind but if you know where you're going to or you think you know where you're going to and you got your compass to take that risk wow. Vijay may I just add a point to what Zia just said please please sir you know it's a unfashionable to bring in vedanta into this but uh, swami parthasarathy has written uh, a book based on vedantic principles and he says i was reminded of that when i heard zia he said you have a ship go out to sea because if you keep it in the harbor you'll only see the barnacles and i think uh, he's coming to that from vedantic principles i think it adduces very well towards he has said sorry for the interruption sailing terms of shakil who you know a lot of people have asked him what does it feel getting a 20 foot boat in a in a you know 30 foot sea uh, you just go out and sail that boat you know and if you know how to do it your boat will ride the waves it's incredible it's incredible i would encourage everybody to go and look at some of the pictures i had to show later um i mr balaraman said he didn't even know this could be done but you know 50 years ago uh somebody and you know you can check him out um, is you know son nox he he sailed a boat 33 foot boat single handed solo non stop around the world would you think that's a risk or not you know <laughs> and he sailed around the world in a 33 foot boat in 40 50 60 knots of wind uh it's it these are feats that uh, some people do and we we do it in our lives every day sometimes we don't even realize the risks we are taking but uh, check out sir robin knox check out the fact that 
I just want to leave a thought with everybody. This boat was built in India in Bombay in Kolaba. Okay, just just think about it. So, uh, you know, there is just these things get together, and we, you know, there there is just just let the wind fill your sails. Just adjust your sails at the right time and de-risk yourself for a moment. You know, put down anchor if you feel the risk is too much, but lift it up again at the right time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, before I request Mr. Balramant for a continuing remarks, as a token of uh, our appreciation uh, for our distinguished guest of honor this evening, I would like to present uh, a certain mask because that's a requirement which is there today. We can't come and do it physically. On your behalf, we are presenting a mask, 400 mask, which will uh, reach out to the NGOs and the people. So this mass, our team will go around the places and hand it over to them personally. And also we'll work with some of the NGOs who take care of them. So this is really very helpful to them. And thank you so much for so kindly accepting our thing. And we'll be doing it on your behalf. Thank you so much.